Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Everyone, really thankful for the chance. Uh, hopefully, I'm not the first, but the someone to welcome you here today, and uh, glad to see all of you. I want to give you a quick update on Neighborhood Clifton, something that we're trying out this year. April Clifton is April 30th. Something we're going to try out is in the next week or two, we are going to try and form a small group of people that we're going to call kind of the work site team. And the goal of that team is to canvas all the neighborhoods of Clifton and try and look for places that look like they could use some help. And so if that's something that you think, you know what, I have some availability, I would be excited to do that. What it's going to look like is you know, part of the job will be if you see a house that looks like uh, maybe it's gotten really run down and we don't know why it's been run down. It could be a financial thing. It could be uh, the person is not fit enough anymore to take care of some of those things. You will politely, if you're not polite, maybe don't sign up for this group, you know, politely knock on the door and say, hey, notice there's a lot of trash in your yard. Would you be interested in us picking that up? And then if they say, those are my family's prized heirlooms. What are you talking about, trash? You're like, oh, I'm sorry, and you move on. But they might go, uh, well, that would be great. And then all of a sudden, we have more and more people that we're able to beforehand kind of canvas the neighborhoods and see who we can help. So if you're willing or interested in being on that committee, please let me know. And uh, that way, we can uh, get that group formed. One thing that I wish all of you could experience is the feeling every week to know that you are preaching the next Sunday. I know some of you have felt that before, but um, it's a very unique thing, and it has blessings and it has curses. To every week, Monday through Saturday, know that on Sunday you are going to speak uh, for 20 to 30 minutes. And some of the curses are, I am no longer capable of watching almost any movie or reading any book or listening to any podcast or anything without thinking, how could this be used in a sermon? You know, there's some people who read books and are just like, oh, this is so entertaining. And I read it and I think, oh, that's a good story. I need to try and remember that. Or, that, oh, that's a good analogy. I need to try and remember that. And it's kind of, it's kind of a curse because you don't, you know, I'm sure there's times where Catherine you know, after we finish watching a TV show, I'm like, man, wasn't that profound? How about? And she's like, can we just laugh at the show and enjoy the show and not have to dissect it? Uh, so that's a curse. But one of the blessings is, and this is something I experienced this week, one of the blessings is, is when you have on your mind, I am going to be trying to make this point, or I'm going to be trying to speak about this, it is incredible how much things just happen in your life where you think, wow, that is what I needed to hear for this week. That is something that helps me. I, I listen to lots of podcasts, and I was overwhelmed with the number of, and, and I don't go searching for them. They just reload every week. You know, the next podcast gets, I was amazed at the number of podcasts this week I listened to that I thought, wait, time out, pause, and I'd get out my phone and I'd take notes because I was like, this is important. And I was listening, there's a book I've been reading on, or listening to on audio book, and the chapter this week was, I just was blown away by the timing of it. And so today, this week, we're, I'm going to be preaching on something that I'm very unfamiliar with. So I told Catherine, this probably isn't the best t 
type of sermon that there is, especially to reach people for Jesus. But it is probably the one I'm most comfortable with because what I'm going to try and do is take something that I don't really understand and I spent this week trying to understand it. And I'm going to try and help all of us understand it. I knew that this sermon was going to be on my list of sermons for this prayer series. And and here it is. And this week, the, seri- the sermon that I'm going to pray or preach on is... The idea of what does it mean to pray in the Spirit. If you have heard or seen that phrase in Scripture before, to pray in the Spirit, and thought, what on earth does that mean? I'm right there with you. And I hope you come to Wednesday night class because I think we're going to talk about it even more in depth. But what I'm going to do today is I have three mini-sermons that are going to look at this prayer in sermon, or praying in the Spirit, in three ways that I believe are unique and also I'm guessing interconnected. I like to believe that all three of these have a good um, angle on what it means to pray in the Spirit. So let's read just a couple verses from the New Testament that I'm referring to. If you're unfamiliar with Jesus, if you've never read the Bible before, here are two passages that will help you see what I mean when I talk about praying in the Spirit. And the, the three mini sermons, let me give you a roadmap so that you're ready for it. The three things we're going to say is that in prayer, the Spirit aligns us with God, it includes us in God, and it supplies us. Okay, so we're going to talk about those three things. So let's look at these three, just a couple passages. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul writes, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then in the the letter of Jude, in verse 20, it says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the the first of these little sermons is the idea of what does it mean to be aligned with the Spirit. I want you to imagine that you're at your house, or let's picture I'm at my house, I'm sitting there, and Landry Joe opens the door and she says, Daddy, Mom told me to come and tell you you need to be quieter. Okay? Let's imagine that, all right? When Joe opens the door, she's like, Dad, Mom said you need to be quieter. Have any of you ever had anything like that before where a child comes in and says, um, Hey, uh, Mom told me that it's my turn to have the toy. Okay, right? You've, you've experienced that before. Or how many of you have had a coworker come in and they said to you, hey, the boss called me to come and tell you that we're no longer you know, doing shipments like that. We're no longer doing it this way. Uh, those, those prices that you're using are out of date. Okay, what just happened is that the person who came and spoke, they were not speaking for themselves, right? Landry Jo just kind of saved herself from me having any kind of pushback by why? Because she said, mom told me to come and tell you, right? She's saying, I am not, I'm not telling you anything, but mom is saying, and I'm saying it for her. Or with the coworker, it's the co- coworker isn't in trouble. If, if you were to say back, no, there's no way those prices are, you know, oh no, we're still doing those shipments. What are they going to go? Hey, don't take it up with me. The boss told me to come and tell you. And so if you have a problem with this, I'm not the one telling you. The boss is telling you. Is this making sense? It's, you following along? So one of the things that I see in Scripture, we see this phrase kind of over and over, and and this is something that you would see back when people had kings and stuff, is if an ambassador came and spoke for a king, they would come and they would say, I come in the name of king blank, right? Which means immediately they're saying, 
don't kill the messenger. I'm coming in the name of the king. And we see this. There's a great, great place. It's an awesome. I love the way it's said. We never get the whole, this whole verse in VBS because it's kind of intense, but it's an, a very powerful part where David is talking to Goliath. And he says, you come at me with, with spears and your weapons. And, but he says, but I, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. We know, don't normally put that last part in there. But isn't that, like, that's intense. That's exciting. He's saying, he's saying I am coming, not with David's power, not with my skills. I am coming in the name of the Lord, and He's the one that's going to conquer you. I'm just the messenger, okay? I'm just the vessel that God is using. I believe that when we see this phrase in Scripture, the, the phrase, I am coming in the name of the Lord, is a way of saying, I am not speaking for myself, but I am trying to align my message with the message of the one who sent me. I am trying to align my purpose, my actions, with the one who is the true authority. And so whenever we have this passage in John that we often take and misuse, where it says, John and John, in John 14, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This phrase, we've said before, it's not some secret recipe to make sure your prayer gets answered. Oh, wait, time out. you got to end your prayer with, in Jesus' name, or it's not going to count. That's not what it means. We've always kind of treated it like that, but that's not it. The truth is, is Jesus is saying, when you pray and come to me in prayer, like, like David says, I'm coming in the name of the Lord with His purposes, with His goals, His desires. Then, when we do that with Jesus, God, Jesus, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus with His goals, His purposes. He's the boss, not me. Then those are the prayers that Jesus is going to answer. And so the first little what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Like I said, we're going to have three of these. To pray in the Spirit is to communicate both individually and communally with God and to set our heart, soul, mind, and strength on the purposes, values, and desires of the Spirit. To align yourself where when I'm praying before God in the Spirit, I am saying, God, I'm coming in your name. I'm trying not to come in Drew's name with my goals, my purposes, my things I want to accomplish. I'm trying to come with your purposes, with your desires, and I'm praying in and the Holy Spirit what it wants to have accomplished. In Romans 8, we see this, this line. I don't have it up here, I guess. In Romans 8, he says, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So there's this really cool thing that happens. When we pray in the Spirit, we are trying to align our heart, our will, our core, with God's will. And the surprising twist is that Paul says is, the Spirit is also actually going to help you by helping you align your prayers with God's will and God's Spirit. I'm putting my effort to try and align my prayers with God's will and Spirit. And the cool thing is, is the Spirit is going to come and intercede for you. 
and help you to communicate what, what the Spirit, what your heart would really want to be communicating if it's focused on God. Anna Marie in class a couple weeks ago shared a really cool point where she said in a book she was reading that day or that week, it said the Spirit, it kind of translates your prayers where, where instead of necessarily hearing the words that are coming out of your mouth, the Spirit is able to intercede with the groans in your heart, deep in your core. And the line that she used from the book was, how funny would it be whenever we pray to hear what God is actually hearing from the Spirit interceding for us? It's kind of like I said in class. It's kind of like whenever I preach a sermon and afterwards someone comes up to me and says, man, I just loved what you had to say about patience or something. And I think, I don't remember saying anything about patience. You know? But you must have heard something that you got out of it, even though I don't remember saying that at all. And I think there's something similar with when we try to align ourselves and pray in the Spirit, the Spirit is going to help align us with the Spirit's will in our prayers. Number two. Included by the Spirit. We all have people in our life that we know where, let's say there's three of us that are friends. Sometimes there's one of the three that is what I call the glue friend. Because the other two friends, they like each other, they get along fine, but they really are close with the glue friend, and so the glue friend keeps all three of them together. Does that make sense? These are essential in youth groups. The, youth, the glue kids are the ones where, let's just use made-up kid names. But let's say there's Chris. And Chris is really good friends with John and really good friends with Michael. Okay? Michael and Chris, they get along amazing. Uh, Chris and John? Did I say John? They get along amazing. Michael and John, they have an okay time together, but they really are close with this person. When this person doesn't come on the youth group mission trip, None of them come on the youth group mission trip. Now, ideally, you get to a place where the kids are like, I don't really care who's coming. I'm coming for me and because I want to be here. But you know those kids where they are the ones that, wow, like six people all would consider that person the one that they know. If, if he's going to be there, then I'm going to be fine because they're going to make sure I feel welcome and I'm going to have a good time with them. Okay, does that make sense? The glue kids. I'm going to argue that part of what the Spirit does in the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is that the Spirit is in many ways the glue that does a lot of bringing together. In Jesus' baptism that we see, we have this famous story of Jesus. He gets baptized, and what happens? The heavens open up, and the Holy Spirit, it descends like a dove. Now, keep in mind, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. It descends like a dove. I don't know what that means. It probably didn't necessarily take the form of a bird, but the idea of a dove descending gently and sweetly. The Spirit descends on Jesus and a voice communicates to the world and to Jesus, this is my Son whom I love, in Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. The Spirit affirms and communicates something to Jesus that He and the Father are united and are one. And one of the things that this came from one of the podcasts I listened to this week, the same Spirit that affirmed Christ's identity as a beloved child can be received by all of us. It is called the spirit of adoption. Okay? The spirit is that same love that can come and fold me into the eternal family of love that allows me to pray in the same posture of Jesus, which is to call God, as Romans 8 says, to call God Abba, Father. So, number two, to pray in the spirit 
is to be folded into the love of God, the love shared by Father and Son, and to know we can share with Him as we can share, pray with Him as with a loving Father. So the, the second thing that I noticed from studying and thinking this week is part of what it means to be in the Spirit is that the Spirit works to, despite all of our inability to understand it, the Spirit brings us into the family of God. The Spirit says, just like God and Jesus are one, even though they're the distinct, they are united so fully, they are one, you too with the Spirit, are able to be folded into that family, into that unity. And so to pray in the Spirit is to know, God, I know that your Spirit is helping and is, has brought me into this loving family so that when I pray, I don't have to pray like someone who's scared. I don't have to pray as an outsider. I get to pray like a son saying to his father, Abba, Father, or Dad, with that comfort and that assurance. So that's the second thing. And then the third one, I saved my favorite for last. The third one is that praying in the Spirit is relying on the Spirit. I'm the type of person who, if, I, if we're in a meeting and someone comes up with a really big, awesome idea, I have this problem where I think if Drew Ritchie is not 100% confident that I can make this happen, then I don't tend to want to do the idea. You may be someone that's like this. Because I'm a, someone who my greatest fear in life is letting people down, right? So if I cannot guarantee I will not let someone down, I do not sign up for it. I do not think that it's worth it. I, I'm, the, I'm the type of person where if, if someone said, hey, y'all, let's try and do a thing where we, where we have a neighborhood Clifton. That's a great idea. My first thought is, can Drew single-handedly organize and coordinate and communicate everything that needs to be done in order for Neighborhood Clifton to happen? If my answer is no, I say, I don't know if that's a great idea. But if my answer is, I think I can do that, then I say, sure, I'll do that. Can any of y'all relate to that? I only do what I think is possible within my capability to do it. That is not relying on the Spirit. Because the Spirit is trying to say, you can't do this, but I can do this. There's a great passage from Galatians 5. And if you were in Bible class this morning, I hope that uh, I, hope I saved this verse. I could have read it in class, but I'm reading it now. Galatians 5, I'm going to skip around a little bit. But Paul says to the church in Galatia, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They have put it to death. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I tried to highlight all the things that Paul is saying. Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. What else? Let me find it. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. All these phrases. What on earth does that mean? In the Spirit. By the Spirit. All these things. And I believe that what Paul is saying and how we can take this passage and translate it for our prayer life is to pray in the Spirit is to ask individually and communally for God's will to be done by His power not our will to be done by our willpower. 
If you think about what he was talking about in Galatians 5, in Galatians 5 he's saying, if, if you look back, how many of you have ever tried to not gratify the desires of your fallen self? It's very difficult. You are only going to be able to resist those kinds of addictions, not by your power, but by the Spirit's power. You with me? You are, I, I don't care who you are. If you had an abusive father, you have no chance of overcoming that label you have placed on your heart because a bad da dad abused you. But guess who can? The Spirit can. Not your power. His power. How are you ever going to be able to overcome an addiction? Not by your power, but by a greater power. His power. Relying on that. And I, and I want you to hear me say, I do believe that willpower is a good thing. I think there is a place for willpower, but it only goes so far. You are never going to be able to overcome those greatest things. You are never going to be able to earn your salvation because of your willpower. You are, however, going to have to rely on His power. So now I want to reread Ephesians 6, the passage that I read earlier at the very beginning about praying in the Spirit. And I want you to put it in context with the rest of that section of Ephesians 6. I'm going to skip around here too. <clears throat> in Ephesians 6 it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Drew's power? Tim's power? Anna Marie's power? No. His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Skipping ahead a little bit. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that what, whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Everything that we just read, be strong in His mighty power, taking our stand against the, the enemies for... I'm not, I'm not going to be able to take a stand against the devil's schemes by myself. I'm not going to be able to face Goliath by myself. I'm not going to be able to do those things. However, in the Spirit, I will be able to. Or, together, we will be able to. I'm not going to be able to proclaim the Word of God fearlessly and make the Gospel known by myself. But relying on the Spirit, I will be able to. And so whenever I believe, part of what we see over and over in this phrase of praying in the Spirit... I believe Paul is trying to and try to encourage the church and the gospel writers are trying to say, listen, to pray in the Spirit is to basically admit I'm not going to be able to accomplish this and I'm not hopefully wanting my will, but I'm wanting your will to be done and I'm wanting it to be done through your power that hopefully you allow to work in and through me. So to pray in the Spirit is likely far more complex than these three little mini-sermons that I had. And if you were thinking, like, is Drew going to talk about speaking in tongues? Come to Wednesday night class, because that is a part of the conversation where Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. He says, you know, praying in the, I pray in the Spirit and I pray with my mind, too. And he, he talks about speaking in tongues. So come to Wednesday night class. 
But to pray in the Spirit is far, likely far more complex than this. But from what I see in Scripture, it is to align our whole self, heart, soul, mind, and strength with the Spirit's desires and will. It is to have a posture of a child before a loving, good God as the Spirit reassures us of our adoption into the family of God. And finally, it is to rely on God to accomplish His will by His power, not to depend on my strength to accomplish my will. So, my commission is that as we go, we will pray in the Spirit. If any of you would like any prayer requests about anything, any kind of uh, thing that you know you're not going to be able to accomplish by yourself, a health thing, anything like that, I'd encourage you, elders are going to be standing at the doors while we stand and while we sing this song.